Let's be a people of prayer. Heavenly Father, yesterday the thunder rolled through, shook our house. Some days the thunder rolls through our life, shakes our foundations. But if we build upon the rock and not on shifting sand, we can find, if we can find bedrock, we can find that you are the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our life. That when the winds blow and, and life assails, that we can find our refuge and our harbor in you. Help us to read today's words and find a little bit more faith to get us through those, those stormy times. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in John chapter 8. Again, uh, of all the Gospels, this has the most red-letter words. If you got one of those old red-letter Bibles of uh, Jesus' words. And today's chapter is, is just chock full of, of uh, another one of Jesus' discourse. But first, we have a story. And I believe it's a, probably a familiar story if you know your Bible. Uh, we're we're going to take these in big chunks today. Uh, let's do uh, John chapter, at the beginning, it kind of begins with the uh, chapter 7, 53, when they, when they were dividing up the chapters 1,700 years ago. Uh, this one probably should, anyway, should, this should have been 8-1, but it wasn't. So we're going to do at the 753 uh, down to verse 11, that, that the whole little section there. Then they all went home. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses he commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Everyone went to their own home. In a sense, in this text, we have it that Jesus confounded his opponents as he preached at the temple, and then they went their own ways. Uh, he went out to the Mount of Olives to, to rest, to sleep at night. Uh, that is, that's, that's where he went uh, uh, in the evenings while he was teaching in the temple. This whole section is a, is, is a matter of some debate and some, some controversy. From the manuscript uh, current evidence, it seems unlikely that this portion was a part of the original text of John's gospel, or at least in this place. If you have your Bible, if you have a study Bible, it probably tells you this might not be in the original 
in the original scripture, or at least not, not in this place. Most of the earliest ancient Greek manuscripts don't have this section. A lot of later manuscripts have an asterisk uh, attached to it, and even, even mine does as well. Uh, some, some older Bibles put this in different sections of John. Even one puts it in, in the middle of Luke. So they know it's a true story. They know it's a story of Jesus uh, that has filtered through the ages. They, did, they just weren't sure where to put it in the, in the text because when John wrote it, it wasn't, it wasn't right here. It does seem genuine, though. This is something that Jesus, uh, one of his stories uh, that, has, that has persevered throughout the ages. He came again to the temple, and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them this. If we take the chronology of the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus remained in Jerusalem for a few days after the feast that we had last week. Uh, though the religious authorities wanted to silence and arrest him, he still taught boldly and in the crowds. And in, he, he, he was out in front and center. If they want to arrest him, he's right there. But he's popular, and he's got crowds. And so they thought, well, let's try another tactic. So they brought him a woman caught in adultery. They did this as, as he publicly taught in the temple courts. They wanted to make this as public as possible trying to both embarrass the woman and, and Jesus. All the indications are that the accusers had some special vindictiveness against her. It's also shown in the fact that they brought her along publicly. They could just have easily said, Hey, Jesus, we have this woman caught in adultery. She's back at the cell. Uh, we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? But instead, they bring her, they bring her forward. Of course, uh, if you want to mention the obvious... What's missing in the story? <laughs> a man. As far as I know, it's really hard to commit adultery by yourself. I've never tried. Don't plan on it. Uh, but yeah, where's where's the dude in this? And yet the guilty man was not brought to Jesus for judgment. It could also mean that there were prearranged spies sent to witness this affair, and they carefully noted the sordid details. So the... Uh, when someone is brought forth with a crime, you need two witnesses. You need two witnesses who have seen this in action. So for adultery, you need two people who have seen this going on. Not just that they were in the same bed together. Not that you saw one person leaving the, you know, leaving the, leaving the bedchamber. You needed to see the act. Chances are this was a big setup. Or maybe the person caught in adultery, the, uh, the other man, uh, was one of the accusers as well. Hey, she was, she, was, she was an adulteress. I know this because I was the one. <laughs> it doesn't say that, but kind of there's somewhere in here there's an implication that the witnesses are, are, are there. You need two witnesses. That'll become important later on in the chapter as well. Uh, what this really means is that practically no one ever got in trouble for adultery. Because if you don't have the witnesses, it never happened. As far as I know, don't have personal experience with this, those who do adultery usually try to do it in secret. Uh, away from the crowds, not publicly. Uh, so as a, as a matter of course, it never really c comes up in, in crimes. Uh, but they, they happen to have this, this trap set, set for Jesus.
Moses commanded us that, that she should be stoned. And it's true that adultery was a capital offense under Jewish law. For people who say we should go back to the Bible, all right, let's stone adulterers, let's stone people who get divorced, let's stone people, like all of a sudden, everyone's going to get stoned. That probably didn't come out right, so we'll take that off YouTube. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a trap. If he says, let her go, then you're not following the law of Moses. And if, if he says, ex, you know, execute her uh, for her crime, then he comes off as harsh and probably cruel. And he would also break Roman law because the Romans took away that, that right of the Jewish people to have capital offenses. We kind of have that too, don't we? Um, about 100, 100, oh, I can't remember the year. It's over 100 years now. Back in the day, counties... Counties were allowed to have uh, uh, executions. The county could have the death penalty. Sometimes villages or cities could have it. And after a while, the state said, you know what? You're all kind of doing this willy-nilly. <laughs> you all have different standards, so we're going to let the state figure it out. So the only people who could ex execute here are the states and, uh, and, and the federal government. But it would be really weird if West Ada said, hey, we're going to have an execution <laughs> for, for speeding or something like that. That would be bad. Uh, they're testing him. This is kind of a long story, so I've got uh, just a few notes to write down. One of these days I'll do a sermon. I've never done a sermon on this, so maybe I should. Linda has a question. I have seen movies, read books, whatever, where sometimes the person is in a pit with just their head exposed who are going to be stoned, and sometimes it's like they've been thrown down but that person could move. The person who's in the pit can't. So was there one way that was preferable, or is that just a movie thing? There are many ways to stone people. Uh, the way you're referring to is they would, you know, just dig a little hole and put them in. And a lot of times there would be a, a, a bag, a, a burlap over their head. And so when you're, when you're chucking the stones, you're not really seeing what you're, the damage that you're doing, but it gets the job done. Uh, you could also line them against the wall and just have everyone play dodgeball with them. Uh, another way to stone someone is, well, you can throw the stones at them. Another way is to throw them at the stones. You kind of go up on a little tiny uh, cliff, you chuck them over, and they, they stones was the cause of death. In one way, you threw the stones. The other one, you threw the, them at the stones. Uh, those are the most common ways that I know of. Yeah, uh, but uh, even in the Middle East, um, a couple years ago, I, I, I remember seeing seeing a picture of someone in a in a hole with a bag over their head, and just all the you know the blood seeps through where they just got pelted until they were no more. There are probably several explanations as to what he was writing in the dirt. <laughs> if it was the names of some of the guys there, or scripture or just doodling in the ground. Found a whole lot of commentaries that uh, had just speculations. Many of that um, saw one commentary that says maybe he's writing down the sins of all the people who were there and like yeah. we got plenty of rocks if you all want to line up. Yeah. Uh, my, my snarkiness would say that uh, the <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let me take a look. 
Was he sitting? Jesus bent down and started to ride on the ground. Maybe in his mind the rocks were about to fly. And what do you do when the rocks start to fly? Duck. You duck. So maybe the... I'm just going to ride on the ground. But that's, that's my snarkiness, so I won't preach on it. Um, I understand that it is legal to get stoned in Oregon. More than you would... Yeah. Uh, why? Why the older? Uh, so, in, uh, we get the whole let let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. And again, he went down to bend on the ground. So, whose side did he take? He didn't really take a side, did he? No, but he, he asked them, "Whose side are you on?" Uh, this, this is one of the uh, the classic lines of Jesus. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but whoever has whoever has no sin, and in this entire in this, in, in this entire region, who who's that? Who's who's the person without sin? Oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> in Jesus' head, um, if if you think she, if you think she should be stoned, great. Whoever has without sin, throw the first stone. And then all of a sudden, people figured out, mm, maybe maybe not so much. Why the older ones first? It does, it does point out, for whatever reason, the older ones first until only Jesus was left. Don't you think that because the older ones were more aware of their sin, just like if we are presented, we have our own conscience that tells us. And nobody needs to tell us whether we're guilty or not. We know it. <laughs> We have the gift of wisdom, knowing our own faults. I'm trying to think back to my 21-year-old self that I know about my faults. I thought I, could, I thought I, I thought I could outrun my stupidity. That's what I thought I could do. Uh, st- yeah. John Wesley had a had a line. Um, we should be we should be rigorous in judging ourselves and gracious in judging others. Did I say that right? Did that make sense? We should be rigorous in judging ourselves and gracious in judging others. Sometimes we go, we go the other way. There are, there are religions that have an age of accountability for children. So they don't believe that children are able to discern when they are so-called sinning or not. And so perhaps that's, you know, the same kind of thing. The adults were more aware and the children were not, although most um, religions don't adhere to that. (laughs) But there are some that do. Train a child in, in which way they should go so when they get older, they will not deviate from it. Oh gosh, what's there's one of those commandments um, that that we like to point at kids: honor thy father and mother. And I love that one. Now that I have children, yeah. Uh, at what age does a kid in the Jewish tradition accept the law and become thirteen? Before that. They're a part of the family, and they follow the religious traditions, but they don't claim it for themselves yet. The whole honor your father and mother, it was not made for kids, little kids. 
it was made for us who who might have aging parents care for, care for your mom and dad as 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 they grow and grow in age uh the 10 commandments came down during the pa- uh, right after passover they were doing the 40 years in the wilderness yeah take care of your mom and dad we're on a long walk don't leave them behind <laughs> Jesus continued to care for the woman. Uh, he did what he could to ease it. He did everything he could to diffuse and not uh, escalate uh, the situation. Uh, sh- shame does have a helpful purpose in life. I've got to be careful how I say this. Can shame be, good, be a good thing? Yeah. There are times that I mess up and I... F- and I feel like I'm this big. Shame is good for a moment. It is not good for a lifetime. Some people live in the life of shame their whole life for one event that they may have been a part of or something may have happened to them. That's not the purpose of shame. Don't, don't live your life like that. And Jesus even says, go live your life and, uh, and, and leave your life of sin. All right, let's do verses, a a big paragraph, 12 to 20. Dispute over Jesus' testimony. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from, and I know where I am going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one to testify for myself, but my other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they ask him, who is your father? You do not know my father. You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. But if you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Jesus spoke again to the people. If we, if we take the arrangement of the gospel of John as it, as, it, as it now stands, the incident of the woman caught in adultery interrupted Jesus as he taught in the temple courts in the days right after the Feast of Tabernacles. So now he's resuming his teaching after this, after this uh, situation with the woman. I am the light of the world. Light was an important symbol at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, during the feast, many symbols had uh, images of light or the sun or, or candles, uh, something like that. Um, that. People remembered the pillar of fire that gave light to Israel during the Exodus. And so uh, in a lot of the decorations and a lot of the places, there's, there are things burning all throughout the temple uh, 
at Christmas time, we have candles everywhere, don't we? Feast of Tabernacles, they have candles and, and fire going everywhere. And so in the, in the midst of this, Jesus, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Um, and people are like, ah, light, light, you're the light of the world. Um, those who follow me will not walk in darkness. Uh, Jesus brings light to those who follow him. Um, yeah, you bear witness to yourself. Your witness is not true. Uh, Jesus just proclaimed that he was the light of the world, but the Pharisees couldn't see it. They couldn't see his light, not because they were blind, but because uh, they were spiritually blind, I guess. The Pharisees could not prove that Jesus was not the Messiah. And so they hoped to change the argument, saying that Jesus couldn't prove himself to be the Messiah and God. And you don't have witnesses to prove that claim. And that might be why the whole adultery story was placed right in, in here, just to remind us that you need witnesses to, to prove something. If they couldn't kill Jesus, the witness, they hoped to intimidate him. And if they couldn't intimidate him, they hoped to show that he was an unreliable, untrustworthy witness. And Jesus kind of cops out. He says, I'm a witness, and God the Father is the witness. And they ask the question, uh, where is your father? And, and Jesus says, <laughs> Yeah, you, you, you don't know God, do you? You're Pharisees. You read the Word of God. You're supposed to follow this, um, uh, the, this, this, this place of justice and this place of truth, and yet you do not see. In the East, to, questions, to question a person's paternity was a definite slur on legitimacy. In a lot of in, 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 in a lot of this, um, they're calling him they're calling him a bastard. Where's your dad? Uh, you know, we, we talk of Joseph, but we know that's not your dad. And in a little bit in here is you know um, just trying to dig up opposition research, if you will. Uh, it was really important about who your family was. And are you legitimate or illegitimate? Hopefully we're beyond some of those, those days now. Did the people of the time before Jesus refer to God as Father? Uh, they referred to Abraham as Father. Yeah. As father. Um, but when he said, my father... Naturally, they're thinking of his dad, but I wonder, you know, was he ever called father by the the people before Jesus? I'm trying to think of a story where that's true. Can anyone think of a place in the Bible where they use... There's a lot of imagery. I don't know father is one, mother is one. There's a whole whole list, but... As a matter of course, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of one. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My God, my God, my sovereign. One's not hitting me. Let's do verses 21, and we're going to flip the page if you're following the sheet. 21 to 30. Dispute over who Jesus is. Once more Jesus said unto them, I am going away, and you will look for me. 
and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who, ha- who sent me is trustworthy, and I and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. I am going away, and where I go, you cannot come. Jesus knew that he was going to heaven, and because of their hatred against him, uh, Jesus is saying that uh, you are not, in, in essence. Where he is going, they would not follow if we follow Jesus on earth, we will follow him on heaven. And if we express no desire to follow him on earth, then why should we follow him to heaven? Will he, will he kill himself? Another insult against Jesus. The Jews of Jesus' time taught that the lowest level of Hades, uh, not, not that there are, there's, there's no, there's, uh, seven circles, is that what Dante wrote? Seven circles of hell. Uh, bam, 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 bam. Uh, that is nowhere in Scripture, uh, anything like that. But uh, the Jews of Jesus' time, that the lowest levels of Hades were for those who committed suicide, uh, a crime against the, the temple, the image of God. Here the Pharisees tried to twist Jesus' words to imply that he would commit suicide and therefore therefore be damned. Uh, you're going where we can't go, then there's only one place that we know of where you're going that we can't go uh, in, in their minds. And Jesus flips that on them. You're from beneath. I'm from above. You are of this world. I am not. Uh, the Pharisees opposing Jesus implied that he would go to hell uh, as a suicide. And Jesus answered that they, had a, they do have different destinies, just not as they thought. Um, these men were religious leaders, yet lived in darkness and filled their minds with uh, just just dark deeds. Uh, the darkness remained because they rejected the the light. They're living in a time where it's okay to to bring out and 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 stone adulterers to try to trap someone who's innocent who's never committed a crime and in, in a crime. Uh, Psalm f- Psalm fifty one fifty fifty one. I'll have to look. Uh, uh, people are born in sin, Psalm 51 says. And if we hold on to our sin and don't deal with it, we we will die in our sins. And uh, sin must be dealt with, and uh, that's 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 how that works. Faith faith is important. I love their question. Who are you? 
Where did you come from? Who? Uh, it's a wonderful question to ask with a sincere heart. And I got a feeling that they're not asking from a sincere heart. They ask a whole lot of questions in this, in this, in this hostile interaction. Where is your father? Will he kill himself? Who are you? Uh, the question, who are you anyway, shows the Pharisees' expiration with uh, Jesus' hints and his, and his claims. And Jesus says, I've, uh, I've been saying to you from the beginning who I am. I don't have a different answer for you. And he'll repeat the truths and themes that he spoke many times before. Again, he brought up kind of his, his death. Uh, when, you, when you lift up the Son of Man, i.e. on the cross, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own. You could put me on a cross, but you can't keep me there. Um, the Father has not left me alone. The unity of the Father and the Son continue and will continue despite the accusations of the Pharisees. All right, well, Jesus is about to get a little more nasty in this. And again, I got to say, the Gospel of John was written as an in-house document. John was a Jew. And he's writing to a Jewish audience. Well, now Gentile, which is... Some, some places in here, he has to explain some things. Uh, we had that on Sunday uh, with, um, with uh, the, uh, the Doubting Thomas story. Uh, Thomas was known as, as uh, Didymus, and it had parentheses, which, which means twin in Hebrew. Uh, John's writing that because he's writing that to different audiences and he's trying to explain stuff going on. In here, when it talks about the children of Abraham or the Jewish leaders, just know he, it's, an in, it's like brothers fighting. I can say anything I want to my brother, but you can't say anything about <laughs> anything you want to my brother. Uh, in the Gospel of John, we get some really derogatory language about the Jewish people. And for those who live in the land of white supremacy or Nazism and all that, they cherry-picked some, some verses out of, out of John. Jews, they, 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 they're the ones who killed Jesus. Jesus was a Jew in a Jewish culture, in a Jewish country. Um. So I just, I just got to just reiterate, we got to be careful with this language. Because um, he's about to call the Jewish people the children of the devil. Uh, and that's, that's the context that we have in here. Um, it's an in-house fight. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's see. We are in verses 31 to 41 dispute over whose children Jesus' opponents are. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. 
I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. You sh- oh, there's a couple of good lines in here, though. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The result of the abiding in the Word of, in the word of God. We prove ourselves to be his disciples when we do the work of Christ. Just popcorn a couple words out when, when they say the work of Christ. When you do love. Popcorn is, yeah, what are some other words that, uh, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. What does he teach? He teaches love. He teaches obedience, service, charity, behave. My wife tells me that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Again? Forgiveness. Joy. Peace. Happiness. Grace. This stuff sets you free. Free from the shame that you might carry, free from embarrassments that you might have, free from the weight of sin that we sometimes carry. We put it at the foot of the cross at worship, and then sometimes on the way out, we pick it back up again. He said that uh, we had never been slaves of anyone, but a recollection is, is that they were slaves in Babylon for 70 years. They were slaves in Babylon. They were slaves in Egypt. And as they're talking, the Roman guards are looking down. Uh, Yeah, they're they're, they're certainly forgetting a lot of their own history and where they are right now. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Uh, A slave does not abide in the house forever. Um, Servants can come and go. Family sticks around. I've I've uh, I've known I've known some wealthy people in my lifetime that have had servants, uh, and they paid really really well. But I remember talking to a servant once uh, to a housekeeper, who says like you know when 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 the mom and dad are gone someday I know I'm out of a job. They've told me that I'm in the will. I know I'm not in the will. But that's what they said. No. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Children of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. And we call, we call the Satan uh, not only a liar, but he's, he's the father of lies. Careful. Careful with your words. Uh, lies do not become you. Lies go... There, there's a reason that uh, we call Jesus the truth. Satan's a liar. My question is, when did all of this happen in the life of his ministry? Was this at the beginning, at the end, or where at? So that these people are just beginning to know who he is, or have they known what he was doing ahead of time? We're getting toward the end. Um, we are we are at a, we're at a feast of tabernacles, which is the the last feast in the in in the in the line. Of, of of their year, and the Passover, the next Passover, uh, that next spring, is the Passover where Jesus dies. So, no, not at all. Uh, he's popular. He's in the temple courts. Uh, he's got a crowd. Um, yeah, even though we're only in chapter eight in a in a gospel that has twenty some. Uh, 20-some chapters, we're, we're in the, like the beginning of the thir- stage three, if you will, out of three stages. Uh, very soon we're going to get to, believe it or not, uh, in the middle of John, we, st- we start doing uh, uh, the, the whole Easter uh, section. And he has a lot of discourses in there, which is, which is what takes up most of John. Let's finish it up, uh, that, whole, that whole last paragraph there. Jesus states he is eternal. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do not know, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. 
You are not yet fifty years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. The enemies of Jesus were frustrated and they're just the the language they're just running circles around different sorts of logic. They were at the end of the day they were unable to make Jesus look bad and even more people had believed in him. So they did the last thing that they can do. When you don't know what else to do to disparage someone, what do you go to what do you go for? Go for name calling. If that's all you got, name calling. You are demon possessed. You are a Samaritan. Uh, and Jesus says, I, I don't have a demon, but I honor my father. Uh, if anyone keeps my word, they shall never see death. Another remarkable claim that only makes sense if Jesus is God. Um, and now we know you have a demon. Abraham is dead. Uh, the religious leaders slightly twisted the words of Jesus. Uh, he said that the one who keeps his word would never would never stare death face to face, but he claimed, uh, he, he never said they would never taste death, but, but we, we, we overcome it. Are you greater than Abraham? Uh, who, do you, who, who do you make yourself out to be is, is kind of their question. And uh, he does say he's, he's greater than Abraham, and Abraham rejoiced to see his day. And then they go into how you're, you're less than 50, probably a round number. You know, we always think of Jesus somewhere around 30 to 35, somewhere in there. Uh, you're under 50. How, how, how do you know Abraham, who was 1,400 years before? And again, the, the arguments and the logic, they just kind of, they just kind of go south. But at the end, he, Jesus just bluntly says it, I am. And like we shared last week or two weeks ago with the Moses story, that was, that was the phrase that God called himself. I am. And what did they do once, once he said the words, I am? They started to pick up stones. Because <laughs> we're, we're going to stone someone today. <laughs> and it might as well be you. But Jesus hid himself away, slipping away from the temple grounds. He's going to come back, though. Next chapter. I think we get a I think we get a healing story. Healing story. Yeah, we get a healing story. And the Pharisees question, how can you do this? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That as we go enjoy these these spring days, may God's love, blessings and peace go with you all. Amen. Mm-hmm.